Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast, where we talk to inspirational business leaders in our community that inspire us to lead a life full of wisdom and build a business as worthy of our wildest dreams. I'm your host, Leo Chen. I'm a tech entrepreneur, real estate advisor, and investor located right here in sunny coastal Orange County, California. And the goal of this podcast is to expand your mind and share what's possible. I'm excited to be uh, on here with you on the Wisdom Podcast. And um, I have a special, special guest today. Um, Her name is Amanda Fornelli, and I'll just go right into the intro for her so that everybody out there listening can get to know her a little bit, and then I will get started on my discussion with her. Uh, Amanda was born and raised in uh, Los Angeles, California, and has a background in engineering uh, with an MBA. And in 2019, she left the corporate America to start a real estate investment company, Nopali properties with her husband, David, and brother, Oscar. Her company quickly established its presence in the high desert area of California within the fix and flip short-term rental space over the last three years. And uh, part of their success story was attributed to Amanda's ability to be able to develop great relationships and raise two and a half million dollars in private uh, money which allowed the team to be able to pursue unlimited amount of deals. And Amanda has been coached by several seasoned real estate investors. And so her goal is to pay forward by helping others build generational wealth through through real estate. And so I give you none other than Amanda Fornelli. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Leo. Thank you so much for having me and happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Um, this is a, a special, uh, special topic that we have today. But uh, before we get started on that, um, tell us a little bit more, uh, expand a little bit more on on the intro and about kind of your journey to where you are today, which I'm super excited uh, myself to learn a little bit more about. Great, absolutely. So, um, as Leo mentioned, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, but now I live in Yucca Valley. Which, for those of you that don't know, it's about two hours from Los Angeles. I live right near Joshua National, uh, Joshua Tree National Park. Um, so I've been out here about a year with my husband. And um, I come from a, a, quite a different background. I wasn't always doing real estate. I worked mostly in the energy sector, um, doing engineering and project management. But as Leo mentioned, uh, I started a real estate investment company with my family, basically my, my brother and my husband, uh, in late 2019, going into early 2020. So for those of you that recall, that was just at the start of the pandemic. It was a really interesting time to get into real estate. But we built a company over the last three years um, that primarily focuses on fix and flip projects. We also now are in the short-term rental Airbnb space. So we um, build out and manage and operate a few rentals in the high desert area. Awesome. So I, you know, this topic of real estate investing is just huge. Like I can't tell you how many conversations every day I have with just a normal average people who have a, you know, great jobs, great families and stuff like that, but they want to figure out how they can put the money that they earn to work and invest in real estate. Because, um, uh, as, in case people out there don't know, there's really 
two big buckets of areas where you can invest money. You can invest in the stock market and funds and mutual funds and that kind of stuff, or you can re invest in real estate, okay? And the stocks and stuff like that, it's easy because you know you can go to any of the you know websites, you can buy your stocks right there online, and then you can just watch it go up and down. But you have very, very little control over how much you can earn because it's dependent on how the funds and the companies that are involved in the funds or the specific stock is doing. And then we have real estate, which you have more control over. Um, however, it is still under uh, market conditions, but you have a lot more control because it's almost like having an asset that you you have control over making it better, how you want to rent it out, how you want to get income from it, how you're going to pay for it and all that kind of stuff. You have more control than if you invested in stocks and, and funds. So um, I, I'm I'm very interested in, uh, I think everybody would love to know how you, um, your brother and your husband got this idea of doing investments and how you guys, I mean, what did you guys know? What did you guys want to do? Like, what was the kind of the conversation like? Yeah, so you bring up a really great point, you know, as as far as investments go, especially in the real estate space, as you increase control, you decrease risk, right? So this is why I love real estate investing. But when we got started, we knew that we wanted to do multiple projects. We wanted to scale. Um, we, you know, by doing one deal at a time, it was just going to just take too long to grow our company. So we decided back, back in 2020 that we needed some additional mentorship. We needed some additional guidance from seasoned real estate investors on how to grow and scale our, our business. So the conversation really started there is how can we do additional projects um, and work with others to, you know, to, to grow our company. And at that time, we met with a, a coach and a mentor. Her name is Amy Majuri. She's a dear friend of mine. And she coached us through how to build our business by providing private lending opportunities for others. So what that means is we work with private individuals to fund some of our projects, uh, different aspects of the project. We pay them a double digit return and we secure, protect and insure their investment against the property. And now we're able to do multiple deals at once. So it's been a really, really great business model for us. Um, we love that we get to work with people to grow their money alongside our business. Great. Uh, so if you can, um, there's a lot in there and there's, uh, if you can break that down just a, just a little bit. So if I am just an average guy and never invested in real estate, maybe I bought my own home or something like that. And if I wanted to um, either number one, in, invest in real estate or uh, number two, um, maybe I want to do something, you know, raise funds like you're doing, what are some of the first steps and some of the thought process through that? Yeah. And this is really cool because a lot of people want to invest in real estate, but I, when people come to us and ask, what, what should I do in real estate? Well, I said, would you like to be a passive investor or an active investor? And really what that means is, are you doing, are you the one actually managing the projects? Are you going and talking to contractors? Are you doing the actual work or would you like to just invest passively? And when they tell me they would like to invest passively, I talk to them about private lending. So, for example, uh, Leo, let's say you said, hey, you know what, I'd like to invest in real estate, but I don't have time to acquire and manage a project. I don't want to deal with the headaches, uh, but I have some money that I'd like to invest in something like real estate. 
Well, I would say to you, private lending is a really great opportunity. And the first steps you want to consider with private lending is you want to sit down with an investor like myself who understands how the process of private lending works. And I'll just go over some quick details, but private lending is utilizing other people's money. So any form of funds, whether that's savings or maybe even a retirement fund to do a private loan to an investor working on a project. And what we would do is we would secure, protect, and ensure that investment with the property. So I would issue that person a promissory note. I would give them a, a deed of trust, which for those of you that don't know, the deed of trust is like a recorded mortgage. Um, most banks or all banks or lenders get this when they give you a loan on a property. So we would give you that security instrument as well. And we would add the private lender to the insurance as a loss payee. So we're securing, we're protecting and insuring that loan against the project or the specific property that we're investing in. So really the first step is understanding how it works and making sure you're comfortable with how that's structured and understanding what that means for you and, and for your investment. But it's entirely passive, which is really, really great for people who don't have the time or the energy to be doing their own projects. Okay, so that's the that's the one aspect you you touched on is people who don't have time, don't have the knowledge to do that. They can uh, invest in a project, whether it's yours or somebody else that they can find that's uh, you know doing a project. And so, what if they want to be more active? Yeah, and if you want to be more active, I mean, there's there's so many ways to invest in real estate. There's probably dozens of ways, right? Mm -hmm. So figuring out what is your ultimate goal. Are you looking for a big payout? Are you looking for cash flow? Are you just looking for, um, you have to figure out what it is that you want. Do you want to save for retirement? And based on what your goal is, you choose a strategy that makes sense for you. And there's so many strategies to invest in real estate. You can do long-term rentals. You can do Airbnbs. You can do multifamily. You just have to figure out what your goal is for investing and find the strategy that fits. And then if you want to be active and do your own projects, the most important thing is to educate yourself. I always use masterminds or mentorship programs to accelerate my learning, um, but also to build a really, really incredible team that can help you with, with your goals or with your specific type of projects. Okay. And so it sounds like the, in that scenario, then uh, most of the work is educating yourself and also uh, finding deals that you're going to uh, figure out how to fund and purchase. And then what would be an exit strategy on that? Uh, possibly either you're flipping or you're holding long term. Uh, most of the uh, most of the uh, investors or beginner investors, I, I investors that I talk to, they all want you know some sort of a nest egg that they can build upon. And so in that case would be more of a buy and hold type of scenario. Um, and so a lot of times they're wondering like, well, what should I, you know, who should I talk to? What should I know? And that kind of stuff. You have any recommendations on somebody in that type of scenario? Yeah, there's so many uh, amazing programs now. Some free, some are paid for, right? The real estate, there are incredible real estate investors already out there that are on social media that give free information and content all the time. You know, one really reliable, awesome resource that I go to is Bigger Pockets. I think a lot of people start their investing journey by learning with Bigger Pockets. So that's a really, really great place to start. Um, and if you have more time and you're you're a little bit more serious about about that accelerated learning, you can pay for a mentorship program and 
there's one for everything. There's a mentorship program or a, a real estate education program for every type of investing, mm -hmm. wholesale, fix and flip, maybe multifamily. Or, there's so many, right? So you just, again, have to figure out what it is that you want to spend time on and really, and look for that team or for that free content or even that paid program that is going to get you to your goals faster and, and go narrow and deep. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of new investors, and this was me at some point, we get the shiny object syndrome, right? Oh, I want to do that. And that looks cool. And that looks great too. But if you don't focus on one narrow strategy, you're just going to be too um, distracted by so many different opportunities. You want to pick one type of thing that you want to do. We picked fix and flip, right? That's what we wanted to get really good at. So focus on one strategy, get really good at it. And then you can start to layer with other strategies as you get more experience. Yeah, great. And so a, a beginning, let's say, I mean, of course, uh, just like you were saying, I think just getting around other investors that are doing the same type of things that you want to do, and then either learn from them um, or see what they're doing so that you can kind of get closer to, you know, doing your first deal somehow, right? Yeah, proximity is so important. You want to be around people who are motivating and inspiring you by what they're doing. So you want to be learning about fix and flip, you should be at every fix and flip meetup that you can possibly attend because yeah. you want to start getting that information from people. You want to start making connections. Maybe those are future partners of yours. And that's another way to accelerate your business or your learning is partner with someone who's already experienced in what you want to do and bring, tell them, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'll bring some sort of value, whether that's uh, maybe that's funds or maybe that's sweat equity, like figure out what it is that you can contribute to that partner so that you can, you can work on your first deal together. And, and that's so, so valuable. So just get in, in and around people who are in, who are doing real estate investing. So you can understand like, where are people getting that information from? Like, what are the best resources? And that all of that is just so incredible. And it's it's really exponential. Once you start to spend time with those people, you're going to see yourself getting more and more opportunities that you had never really imagined before. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole whole big world out there. And that's a, that's a great point that you're making. I mean, I, a lot of times we think like, oh, I have to go in like it's an all or nothing. I got to buy this entire property and I got to do all this and stuff like that. There are so many ways that you can divide that work up among uh, what we call joint ventures, right? People who um, can uh, partner with you. Maybe they're an expert at construction or something like that, or they're a contractor or some sort, but they're willing to invest, you know, with you. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, you have other people that are bringing more money than you are, and you are uh, willing to do more work, or you want to put in the money and somebody else can do more work. So there's various combinations and percentages of how, how much work uh, plus the funds that you need to be able to kind of, you know, do this deal together. So um, uh, again, I think it's just a great thing to be able to get around those people because they'll be able to share all those ideas with you. And then uh, one other resource that I would suggest is that you'll meet a lot of people who have their real estate licenses and there are investors. Um, but if you get around somebody who is, is a full-time real estate agent and they're in and around seeing properties every single day, they're buying and selling properties for their clients, but they're also investors themselves. Those are the people you want to look for because uh, they're going to be able to share a lot with you. And you may be able to do deals with them because they can identify, you know, really great properties and do the numbers for you. And then you can kind of partner with them because they're investors themselves. So to me, because I'm a realtor myself, 
you know, um, are like a no brainer to me because I understand that very well. I understand and be able to kind of see who is a realtor investor. Like those are the people you want to be around with. Yeah. You bring up a good point, Leo. Like we work with realtors all the time and we always look for investor friendly realtors. What that means is exactly as you said, a realtor that they, they, they work with buying and selling for their clients, but they also invest themselves or they know how to invest. They know how to run an analysis so when you work with that with those types of realtors, they can bring you an incredible amount of value um, because they understand your goals. They understand how investors work and they're not going to give you a hard time about it because they know what the exit strategy looks like. So that's a really good point. Um, realtors, especially investor friendly realtors, can be an, a really great resource for you as you're trying to learn and invest. Yeah, um, so um Obviously, we're, we're going to put all of the uh, contact info for you for those people who are interested. Uh, Amanda is a great resource and is out to be um, have, have a big heart, a heart of a teacher to you know help others as she was being helped by other people. So you know it's all part of a chain. So I'm going to put that information um, here in the uh, in the description and the notes where you can get uh, get a hold of her. But um, talk to us about um, one of the big things that I come across uh, from not only my clients but also you know people in conversation um this big um big idea around short-term rentals so um i think mostly what they want to understand is like well how can i make money from short-term rentals i hear about all these you know great returns and you know airbnb and like you know i can get you know passive income right away and I can, you know, get more doors and I can, you know, arbitrage, I get all, I hear all different kinds of stuff. And then um, we bring in the piece of like, how can we fund that to purchase something that we can turn into an Airbnb? And can you kind of just give us a kind of an overall, if somebody didn't know anything about um, short-term rentals, have never done short-term rentals, but they hear all these things, what are some of the things that you can help them uh, understand and some ways to kind of get started if they wanted to do that? Absolutely. So first, let's understand what a short-term rental is, right? So for those of you that don't know, a short-term rental is pretty much a, a property, and it could be single family, it could be multifamily, a property that is used for, um, you know, occupying guests at usually 30 days or less, right? So think of an Airbnb, a VRBO, think about a vacation property or someone who needs a place to stay for, for a few weeks, right? So a vacation, a short-term rental is basically like a vacation rental and vacation rentals, short-term rentals specifically are like, they've been developing so much in the last few years in popularity. They're just, they're just everywhere now. And people are getting so excited about them. There's so many new companies that are starting to develop around this space. And it's a really fantastic space. What you want to understand about short-term rentals is we all understand long-term rentals, right? We get a property, we put a tenant in there typically month to month or, you know, for a one-year lease, right? Those rentals are typically, you know, they cash flow and uh, it, it varies very much by market, but anywhere between, let's say, three to $500 a month. On a short-term rental, because you're renting out the property at a nightly rate, you typically get much more revenue than a long-term rental. But keep in mind, it's a lot more active because now you're creating almost like a a boutique hotel for a guest. You have to consider a lot of things to provide for them during their stay. You also have to have a, a team of cleaners, handymen, maybe an inspector. So although the revenue is much, much higher, 
on an, on a short-term rental, you're, you're a lot more active until you create systems and a team so that you can hope, hopefully step away from there. So what I would recommend if you want to get started in this space, again, start with education. They're really great really great resources out there that are that give free information about how short-term rentals work, how to analyze them, how to acquire them, and how to manage them. Some resources I can think of, um, the Real Estate Robinsons, they're friends of mine. They, they're really big in the short-term rental space. They have a YouTube channel. Um, they also have Instagram. Rob Bill is another one. He's great on YouTube and Instagram as well. So start there, learn how they work, and then figure out if the, if it makes sense for you. If you think this type of investment is something that you ultimately want to manage, because it is quite a bit of work, but the returns are awesome. And it's a lot of fun. Personally, I enjoy it because I get to create this wonderful experience for guests that stay at our properties. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point that most people um, don't think about is that you are running, you know, kind of a small hotel yourself, even if it's just one home or one condo or whatever, you know, the property is, is that you're running a hotel because you could have somebody come and stay. And I know on you can you can have a minimum of like, say, two days minimum or three days minimum, depending on how you want to structure it. But every two days, every three days or something like that, it's possible you have a turnover of a new uh, tenant if you will. Um, and then you have to go in and do all the cleaning. You have to uh, restock supplies if you have stuff like that. And you have to also um, uh, present it uh, for a short-term rental type of thing for a vacation rental so that it's attractive to people that actually you know want to rent it for whatever price that you're asking for. So there's a marketing piece around it. There's a management piece on not only uh, the supplies and the cleaning and the before and the after and things like that, but also the communication aspect because the communication between you and the tenant for somebody staying three days versus somebody who's staying six months is completely different, right? You know, uh, once you've, you know, given them the orientation to how everything works, the coffee, the, the appliances, you know, that kind of stuff for a six months tenant, like you just tell them once and like, you don't have to talk to them about that stuff for six months. Right. Uh, but with the short-term rental, you, every three days, every two days, when somebody come, new comes in, you have to do all that stuff over again. And then um, the big thing is, of course, like imagine like a hotel room, you, you forget all the amenities that you get with the hotel room that you um, have to compete and provide, you know, in your own property. Uh, people expect, you know, towels and sheets and stuff to be ready. They expect that, you know, everything to be clean. They expect, um, you know, appliances, instructions and things like that, or any kind of bonuses that you might, uh, you might provide, but also like how to access the property. You know, I've, I've, I've been to some Airbnbs myself where like the, the, the front door is like in the back of the property. You have to go around <laughs> the side of the, uh, the, the side yard to get to it. And we're like looking for, it. and sometimes you arrive late, you know, you arrive after, you know, sun goes down, you're like turning out your flashlight, trying to find the front door and stuff like that. So you have to provide those kind of instructions. And then, a lot of people, if they're vacation rentals, they're um, they're also looking for like they've never been here. They're here for whatever three to five days because they're on their um, a, a short a little vacation to this town. They don't know anything about the town. You know, they want you to be you know a concierge of sort, 
right? So all these things that people don't think about when they become a host, they start learning like, oh my God, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do that. So there's a, you you get a lot of return, but you also have to provide a lot of service. So mm-hmm. what, what's been your experience, you know, around that when you first, first started doing more, more Airbnb type of, uh, type of rentals? They are a lot of work. And we learned that um, after building several out at this point. And what we also learned, though, is because of the proliferation of, of short-term rentals in the recent years, there's been a bunch of third-party softwares that have been made available to us as hosts. So it makes everything easy for easier for you. You can automate so much now. So you can automate communication, right? You don't have to type out a new message every time. You can just have like auto responders that create your check-in list or the access code or cleaning instructions. So the goal is to automate as much as possible using third-party software. And then whatever else you can, you know, whatever whatever else that comes up, you can try to manage it yourself or maybe you even outsource it, right? Um, once you get your systems in place and your team, things just, just run a lot smoother. So having that in mind is, you there it, there's a lot of upfront work right with getting the property maybe you're managing construction you also have to design it and stage it right you have to provide furniture and all that supplies once that's going and once you create your systems your your autoresponders your guest book your all of that right you get your cleaners on board after that it should be like relatively or you know sem i would say semi passive right so from our experience, it is a ton of work up front, but we've been able to create systems in place so that we're now feeling like we can move move back a little bit from the process and really enjoy the more passive side of things. So yeah, systems are yeah. big. Focus yeah. on that and get those third-party softwares and you'll find that it's not so bad after a while. Yeah. And, and some people like, uh, like these short-term rentals because they like being a host. Yes. Right. They they like welcoming people to their town and like, you know, give them a whole bunch of brochures and it's like, like, oh, you should check this out. You should go down here. You should go eat at this restaurant and and things like that makes it a little more more enticing. Um, but uh, I want to shift gear just a little bit um, because we uh, we went we, we talked about private money earlier and now we talked about. Uh, short term rentals and kind of how to you know manage it, because uh uh, short-term rentals, I mean, you identify the short-term rental that you may be interested in purchasing um, and, and having it set up as a short-term rental, but you also have to, you know, kind of get it through the city or the county that you are in to make sure that the, 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 that they have rules for you to abide to, to be able to get a permit to be able to do short-term rentals. So depending on the town and things like that. And um, unfortunately, a lot of city have uh, have banned short-term rentals. So you have to just be careful about that. So that's the acquiring aspects of the short-term rental. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit more about the private money aspect. What are, what are the, you know, one, two, three steps that somebody should know um, if they, you know, wanted to identify a property that they want to do stuff with, um, whether it's long-term or short-term, but then now they need the money to be able to fund that. Okay. Yeah. With, uh, with funding, there's so many ways to finance a short-term rental, for example, or any investment really. But a couple of, I'll talk about this first and then I'll shift it to private private money. But a couple of ways that people like to go after short-term rentals is using the second home loan or vacation home loan. 
usually that's only 10% down instead of 20% for an investment property. So you get to enjoy the property for you and your family for vacation, but then you're legally allowed to rent it out the rest of the time. So that's a really great way to get into the property with a lower down payment. Um, but let's say you wanted to use private money. What's really cool is private money you can use private money for your entire investment if you wanted to. You don't, you're not required to use a bank or a hard money lender or any institutional lender, really. If you find a private individual who has maybe some savings or some cash put aside that they want to put to work, and you have a property that you think you could put them in, bring them into the deal structure it and check, you know, create your financing instruction in a way where you're able to pay that lender an, a healthy return. And you present that opportunity to a private lender and you say, look, this is the property that I'm getting. This is what I plan to do with it. This is my exit strategy. Th there's an opportunity to lend on this and make really great money. Is this something that you're interested in? Now they can fund the entire investment amount if you want. You can have them from the purchase, maybe even some renovation costs, as long as you build in their return in your exit strategy and make them feel, you know, like there is a plan in place to repay them, then you can structure it any way you'd like with a private lender. What we've done in the past, which is really neat, is we've been able to burr our properties. And what that means for those of you that don't know what burr means is you buy the property, you rehab it, you refinance, you rent it. Specifically for the short-term rental space, we buy properties with hard money and or private money. So we hard money is an institutional lender with usually higher rates, um, but they're more flexible for investment type loans. We bring in a private money lender. We fund our entire project. And once it's done, we'll refinance it into like a 30-year fixed loan, many different ways to do that. And we'll pay off our private lenders. So with, when you work with private lenders, you can structure it any way you'd like. You just have to communicate that value to the private lender and make sure that your, your numbers work so that you have an exit strategy and a way to pay them back. Yeah. So uh, again, I think, um, you know, everybody thinks the burr strategy, like, oh, it's getting cold. <laughs> 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 but, but I think one of the, the if you don't take, if you take anything away from the burr strategy, if you will, uh, one of the R's is to refinance. And so when it comes to a point when uh, interest rates are lower and you have a chance to refinance, to lower your payment, and then refinance that into a more traditional type of uh, loan where you can start cash flowing, um, then that's, uh, that's kind of the big deal because you just get a huge relief, um, you know, uh, money-wise, uh, because then now everything's shifted. What I always tell people uh, as a realtor myself, uh, just I just tell people like, well, you know, if you're a renter, like your rent can go up over time, but when you have a fixed mortgage, your mortgage could be refinanced and it could be lowered over time. So that's, you know, everybody says, oh, should we rent or buy or stuff like that? I mean, just that one thing alone, understanding that one thing alone, you can be able to decide like, oh, you know, my landlord can raise the rent on me anytime, but the mortgage stays fixed. And that's why we have 30 year fixed mortgages. We have 15 year fixed mortgages. And then so, and when the mortgage rates get, you know, down, you know, I usually say at least a, 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 a 
0.75 to a 1% rate difference, like you should refinance. It doesn't matter if you own it or if it's an investment because that's when you uh, start saving even more money. So um, so uh, understand that part of it, financing part, which is huge for everybody. Like they always want to know like how you pay for it. But if they buy it, and initially it doesn't make money, it's just like a business, you know, after two or three years, it could start making money. And, and the longer that you hold it as uh, prices and, uh, and your uh, equity positions increase, you start making more money. You would never, you know, really make money from renting, right? If you're a renter, right? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to owning your own home or something like that. And then uh, one last thing I'll say about this is that, you know, interest rates is one thing everybody's super sensitive about interest rates, you know, because right now uh, interest rates are, are upwards around 7%. But um, what, what most people don't think about is, is like, well, I can't, if if you're priced out of the mortgage, that's one thing, of course, then you have to end up renting, but then you are forced into a position where the the rent that you pay every month is actually a hundred percent interest rate, right? Mm -hmm. So the, here are people fighting over 6% and 7% while you are paying a hundred percent interest rate. So just something to think about for, for people out there, whether you're investing or, you know, you're, you're, you're renting or buying a place for yourself to, to live. So um, uh, you, you kind of like thinking that way too, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always say there's an opportunity in every kind of market and rates are just not favorable right now. But don't let that scare you. Don't let that create fear within you. Run your numbers. If a, if a deal still makes sense at this high interest rate, well, can you imagine what it'll look like once you refinance? Like it's only going to be upside from there, you know, assuming rates are coming down, which eventually we all, I think experts are telling us that they will in the near term. So Focus on the numbers, make calculated calculated risks and decisions based on the numbers, not on, you know, our emotions or on, you know, other people's reactions. I think that's really important. And I want to go into an example of like a burr because I, I explained the burr strategy to people and they're like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how that even makes sense, but I would love to go through the, this example yeah, because of course. it's so powerful. And my husband and I shot some content over the weekend and we went through this deal specifically. So I remember the okay. numbers, but one of the properties we acquired, it was very small, small, uh, excuse me. It was a, a small purchase price because it was in really, really poor shape, but we bought a property for $120,000 in Joshua tree mm -hmm. on two and a half acres, really bad condition. It was a big remodel. We went through like a full, full permitting, an entire remodel, basically 90% renovated. So we put about a 200K in and then call it like another 30,000 or so that we put in for staging, furniture, supplies, outdoor amenities. We put like a hot tub and all that, right? So all in, we're in the property $350,000, right? We, we had a hard money loan and we had private money loan on this property. Well, we went to a lender and we said, hey, we would like to go into a 30-year fixed. Um, we would like to pay off and cash out. We would like to pay off all the lenders and then cash out and put any money in our pockets. So the property appraised for $440,000. And we were able to cash out, refinance, cash out meaning you get some money back at 80% LTV or 80% loan to value. So 80% of that 440 is $352,000. So how much money were in the deal? 350 grand. We paid everybody off. 
We covered our furniture, our decor, our outdoor amenities. We even put a couple thousand dollars into our pockets. Mm -hmm. And now we have a cash flowing short-term rental that we launched and we have a 30-year fixed mortgage. So I, I love in the short-term rental space, you look at cash on cash returns. How much money am I getting on a, an annual basis based on the my initial cash investment? Well, $2,000, I'm sorry, $0, right? Because now we re, re, recaptured all of our cash. $0 in with any return is, is pretty much infinite cash on cash returns. Yeah. So that's why this strategy is so powerful because now we're getting into these properties with little to no money in the deal. And we're creating this, this um, passive income or semi-passive income for us for the foreseeable future. So I like going through that example because that helps people really understand how the Burr strategy works, specifically in the short-term rental space. It could be so, so powerful. Yeah, I, I, I heard two really great things there is, uh, number one, at the end of the day, you bought a property um, and you put in all the money you, um, you, you wanted to put in there to make it literally perfect and vacation rental ready and all that kind of stuff, all in for $350,000. You um, had it appraised and it was worth uh, uh, $450,000, right? $440,000. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. 440. So it's $140,000, uh, so $90,000 more. So if I walked up to somebody and say, hey, do you want to buy something for you know, 350 and it's worth, you know, 440. Do you want to do it? Like we would do that all day long. We would do exactly. it as many times as possible. Right. You know, so that's, that's, that's a huge, you know, you know powerful you know, number that you want to, you know, get to. And you guys, obviously, you know, with all the, uh, uh, all the calculation and the time and effort and putting everything together, you guys came out ahead because you guys knew ahead of time that this uh, property would appraise for uh, more than what you're putting to and you didn't overextend yourself where you put in more money than it's worth. Right. right. So those are those are very, very powerful things. This is where, you know, experience come into play because you you, you want to make sure you account for everything. And when you're not experienced, what happens is that you miss stuff that it might cost you that you didn't anticipate. And so now your calculation is wrong and you end up losing money on that. So get around people like Amanda so that, you know, you can kind of do this uh, type of deal together and be able to, you know, uh, you know, make ninety thousand dollars, you know, from, you know, just you didn't even put any money in yourself. You asked for private money, uh, private mm -hmm. lenders to be able to give you that money. And when the time was right, you paid them back by refinancing it, right? right. So right. Um, great example. I, I love that example. Like I want to tell that example like all day long, every day. The people are out there like, oh, I want to invest. I want to invest. They just don't know, you know, how to mechanically, you know, do that. And so um, it's a lot of pieces involved. Um, but at the end of the day, if you knew that you can buy something for 350 and it's worth 440, like, Hey, let's figure out, you know, show me, show me how that happens. And I love that you guys, you and your husband did a video and everything, and I'll get the link from you so that we can give it to our audience so that they can uh, review that as well. Excellent. Um, so, um, uh, time is flying by. I, I love this conversation. I want to chat a little bit about, cause I'm getting, uh, getting a lot of questions about this around this too. I want to hear your take about it. And, um, I can also uh, chime in on, some of what I'm seeing as well, as far as what's going on right now in the market, uh, in, in the real estate market space, 
um, for people like you who are investors. And then um, I can touch a little bit on uh, for people who are uh, just your average um, home buyers for, for uh, to buy a home for them to live in. Um, I actually also have a um, an investor, but he wants to house hack. Uh, in case you don't know what house hack means, means that he wants to buy, say, a duplex or a threeplex. He wants to live in one of the units and rent out the other two to offset all of the uh, mortgages that he uh, he might incur. And so that hopefully he can pay a lot less than he would have if he was the only person living on the property. And so um, so tell us what, what you're seeing out there. What are the opportunities out there? How are you structuring things? And uh, what are the opportunities you're seeing? Yeah, from an investor standpoint, I would say that things are changing. Uh, definitely home prices are either declining or some in some markets, they've declined a lot already. Some are still declining. So from an investor standpoint, we are starting to re-strategize, right? The most successful investors are going to pivot with the conditions of the market. They're not going to let fear um, you know, um, prevent them from still investing, right? So where we have to look at where are the opportunities, where can we mitigate risk? So we're continuing to look at uh, ways to pivot, right? So fix and flip is maybe not the best time to do this right now, unless you're buying the property at, you know, very, very far below market value, just to protect against additional um, changes, right? So fix and flip is not uh, it's not the most ideal thing right now, unless you're extremely experienced in that space, in this market, until we come back up on that cycle. Buy and holds are, I think, a, a great a great option right now. Despite interest rates, you get the property at a, at a lower price point, hopefully, and you hold that, right? You hold that, well, whatever your strategy is, you'll come up on that appreciation and you can refinance later down the road. Uh, Short-term rentals are really great right now. I think that that that's where we're focused now as investors, specifically our team. And a lot of people are looking into that. Where can I buy a property that is, you know, a little bit more affordable with prices coming down despite interest rates, still cash flows. So that when we refinance down the road, we have a really, really great asset. So that too, a lot of investors are also just pivoting to the multifamily space. Rents are going up in a lot of areas, multifamily. What, what happens when people can't afford homes anymore because rates are so high, they're going to start renting. So multifamily will continue to be a really strong asset class. That's from the investor side of things. I think from a homeowner's perspective, Leo, you can probably give a lot of, a lot of insight on that. But I always say, don't let fear drive your decisions. I think that prices in general are still going to trend upward. So just find a, a situation and a home that you love and that works for you. And you can always refinance down the road or figure out a way to, um, you know, bring your cost down, whatever that may be. So would, I don't know, did you have something you wanted to add on the homeowner side? Yeah, of things? yeah I think those are all really um, uh, great points. And um, I think um, there is there's no better time right now to be a landlord. That I mean, that's clear. There's no better time, and homes will not get will not get cheaper. This the reason is because we have all different kinds of demand around real estate now. Okay, now prices are coming down a little bit because we have still very low inventory, but uh, with the interest rates and all the 
scary things that a lot of the that all the news outlets are telling you and it's scaring people off but this is where the opportunity is because now uh, people are being scared off so there's lower demand with lower demand meaning you have more opportunity to buy a home at a lower price than ever before um, prior to the interest rates going up a lot of people were like well i want to wait for the prices to come down well the prices have come down now now it's the time to act right because once you purchase the property you can't really you know repurchase it for a lower price but interest right. rates you know you can refinance it to a lower price right so interest rates can move and can move in your favor over time but the prices once you bought you bought right and so um i think it's really uh, kind of interesting that a lot of people are hesitating to buy when when they don't have a, a clear idea of what's going on. Um, and me being in the market every single day and looking at everything, it's an amazing time to buy. You have low, lower competition, which in six months ago, you had to fight for that property if you wanted to buy something, whether you're an investor or if you are a person who wants to buy for yourself or your new first home or something like that. Okay, you had to fight for it. Now, luckily for me, we uh, we we were able to, you know, get offers accepted, you know, beating out 10, 15, 20 offers, but we don't have to do that now. And so we have more leverage to be able to decrease the price for you. Uh, just two quick examples. Um, we just closed on escrow last week on a first time home buyer. I love this couple to death. They are, they just got married about a month and a half ago. They went on their honeymoon for two weeks. And I told them that, Hey, as soon as you're back, we're going to find a place in two weeks time. We found them the perfect single family home, no HOAs, fully renovated and stuff like that. Uh, the home was worth 950,000 and they got it for 875. It was listed at 899, which is 900,000. So they were already giving away a discount. We were even be able to get it for even lower. Now, what we were we able to do that six months ago? No, we wouldn't be able to do that. We would have to fight at least two to you know eight or ten you know uh, buyers for that so if you are out there thinking like oh i'm waiting i'm waiting for the right conditions by well this is the right condition now uh with a lot of sellers that have to sell you know um before uh, the year's end for whatever reason, for family reasons, for uh, they got to get out of state for job reasons, whatever. They're, they've got a time issue. They've got to get the thing sold. They got to get moved on. That's when you can kind of negotiate for a better deal. Um, I can't tell you that this is going to happen come January, February, or March, because then you know, our new housing season starts and things start shifting again. We may not have this opportunity that we're having now. If you're an investor out there, well, you can buy a home at less price right now, even though your interest is raised higher, um, you can refinance as we talked about, um, but you can buy it at a lower price and you can start doing your renovation, uh, whatever it is your goal is to get that stuff done. I mean, there's a lot of deals out there if you just do the math. So I think most people aren't even doing the math. They're just they're just out there looking at the news headline and they're not even taking the time to look at what's real out there. So get together with somebody like, uh, a, a, you know, it doesn't have to be me, but a trusted real estate agent, right? That they're going to just tell you the numbers. They're not out to try to, you know, make you sell or buy for their own benefit, right? And then get together with a real, uh, a real estate investor such as Amanda so that uh, she can like, hey, well, what are you stuck with? Let me look at the numbers for you and maybe fill in and be able to learn some stuff and then see if there's any other uh, opportunities to um, 
They'll get together with other people to buy deals so that you can lower your risk as well. And if they think, if two or three other partners think that this is a great deal and they can buy it and you have, you know, six sets of eyes, you know, looking at this thing, that's better than you trying to decipher, you know, yourself, you know, and, and, and taking yourself out of the game when, you know, you know, the, 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 the real estate market it has a lot of opportunities right now. So um, any of that stuff resonate with you that, that you're seeing as well, Amanda? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I tell people don't listen to the headlines. Don't listen to the news. Go to qualified subject matter experts to get your information and then make a decision based on that. If we all wait for the perfect opportunity, it's never going to come or the perfect conditions, right? You have to just be really confident about what it is that your goal, what your goal is, and just take action on it and problem solve. If you problem solve, you'll get so many more doors open for you. That's something that we do as a team. No matter the situation, we solve for that issue, we solve for that challenge, and we figure out a way to move forward. So whatever it is, whatever your goal is, whether that's buying your own home or investing in another property or buying an investment property, find a way to do it talk to the right people, get the right people on your team and just go for it. There, there's, there's never going to be perfect conditions, but you know, time, time passes quickly in this life. So you, you have to take action on what it is you want and just go for it. Really. You yeah, it, for it, it really speaks to the quote, right? People say um, it's not when it's not timing the market, it's the amount of time you're in the market, because we all know it's just going to be a scarce commodity, no matter what. This is why it's the best time to be a buyer. It's the best time to be a uh, a uh, a landlord, because that rent is going to go only going to go up, and you're only going to get more money over time. So um, super great to have you, Amanda, here. And um, so much knowledge. I could talk to you all day <laughs> about this stuff, and we would never end. I mean, we could literally give examples. Example after example, because we just gone through it right over yeah. the years. Like we're doing, we're we're putting together deals, and we know what deals worked out well, and maybe some mistakes that were made that you can share with other people. So if you're listening out there, uh, I'd love for you to uh, get connected with Amanda. She's got her network, so she's one person away from and the whole entire network of investors that she built up, you know, over the years, and be able to direct you, you know, whichever way. So. Um, Thank you so much. Um, and as always, um, Amanda, you have a quote that you can share with the world. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's something that really comes from me that I live by and just go out there, be inspired and take action, be around people who inspire and motivate you and take massive action. And you'll see really beautiful outcomes from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we always think like, okay, we feel inspired. We got to do something. We feel inspired. We got to do something. So get around people, you know, like you get inspired. Can you tell these stories about like how things work? Because the, Hey, let's face it. The news is not showing you a real case study. They're not investing. Their only, their only job is to tell you and make you feel afraid or make you feel, uh, do a certain thing to, so that you can, you know, want to watch, you know, their news channel all day long, because you want to make sure that there's no danger that you have to avoid, right? That's their job, but it has nothing to do with the actual real world investing. So be inspired. I'm super inspired by you, Amanda, and what you and your husband and your team, you know, have done in just a super short time. 
and um, have done all the right things. And every time I talk to you, um, I get inspired about um, what other vehicles that can we do and how do we position ourselves to do that? Yeah, thank you, Leo, for the opportunity. I love what you're doing with this platform too. Thank you so much for sharing the knowledge with everybody. I appreciate you inviting me on and I look forward to staying in touch and connecting with everyone who listened in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of all new episodes and please give us a positive review. And if you want to hang out with us live, check out our YouTube channel where you can continue the conversations with me and our guests.